Yo, yo, what's up, LL Nation? Lucky Lefty Podcast. We hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas weekend. Great holidays and time with your families. Hope everybody got back to their various destinations safely. Uh, once again, we are featured and brought to you by Honora Whiskey, honorawhiskey.com, the premium American whiskey. Go check it out at honorawhiskey.com. Premium. premium. Something to sip on January 1st as we lasso those Cowboys out of the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame, the team should be arriving out there at the Fiesta Bowl location today. A little bit later on, everyone seems to be healthy. You know, it's been crazy with COVID and all of these bowl games being canceled. Man, you're just uh, hoping, praying, and, and crossing your fingers. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. I think it's just interesting that we ain't made it this far, right? We just not gonna finish real quick, you know. It's not like it's uh, weeks ahead to look forward to. So go ahead, and get these games knocked out, man. Quit playing, get these games. <laughs> Weekends is crazy. As far as Notre Dame football, there was a lot happening on social media. We're gonna tap in with that. Of course, Petty Train, Petty Story today. Man, I had one in mind until Sunday Night Football, so we'll get to that. Yeah, no fact. Throw a couple of former Crimson Tide players on the Petty Train, along with a few other people. We'll bid salute and celebrate the end of one of the most uh, transformative and uh, historical shows ever on HBO. Uh, I it's finale <laughs> last night. It's a lot of symbolism. That should be the petty train right there, man. Yeah, a lot of symbolism in that show last night. I thought it was actually dope. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the whole fast forward thing. No. I felt like they could have given us about three more episodes. Yeah, it's like they cut it short. Like they just didn't want to keep pushing it like, it's yeah. like you know this is good where it's at but they could have had some more episodes you know yeah. some more storylines but that was like the best moments we'll talk about that as I said before some more coaching news some more news on Harry Eastman and uh we'll talk about something that you heard here first just two episodes ago mm. the importance of the quarterback and wide receiver room Yep. And how they're linked. And I mean, we stepped out the there on the brand. We stepped down the limb, unlike any other podcast, and said, yo, if you're gonna throw eggs at Dale Alexander, make sure you throw the same eggs in the direction of that quarterback room. That's right. That's right. The man connected can't get off of that OC's desk either. And and I would venture to say there's been more talent in the wide receiver room than there has been in the quarterback room. I can say that in, in the last three or four years. So we'll talk about it. Um, I want to start something, a new segment each and every Monday, bro. <laughs> okay. Uh, remember this. And uh, I want to play a clip for you. And uh, I want you to tell me if you remember this and kind of shed some light on what the heck went on. I believe okay. this was a big time game back in 2016, 2015. Uh, big time night game up in Philly. 
and uh, something transpired on the sideline. I want to, <laughs> you remember this. Oh my God! What a what a terrible moment in there. <laughs> so. <laughs> The David Grimes moment. David Grimes, man, Notre Dame receiver, and the Brady the, Queen the most, the most embarrassing, messed up time <laughs> in Notre Dame football. And I was there. I was like, I know. They have me, I know. They have me in the frame, but I'll never forget how it happened and where I was at. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because it was so random. And it was such a, you would never do that to anybody else moment. I don't even know where it came from. I was all, we was all embarrassed for him. I mean, it was just a tough, tough position to be in. But it also happened because, you know, you starting 14 and not eight. So, you know, a lot of crazy shit happened. So what was David really, because, you know, Big Sheldon grabbed him. And who was, who was that assistant coach? That was standing next to him asking if he if he was okay. So that was Chad Clunder, like, man. The news, the news that goes on from that sideline alone, those guys included. It just it was just one of those things, you know, Grimes just doing like anybody other strength coach in the world does, saying something to the ref, you know, just throwing your little two cents here, pay attention to this, whatever, whatever. You know, sometimes in away games, refs can be uh, feeling like they're playing for the other team. So this particular ref kept giving us sideline warnings. And it's like, this we had an NFL stadium, so we got all the space in the world. Like, right, right. he's making it a point today. So I think we was winning or something. And something that happened. And yeah. Grimes would just, just so happen to be next to the ref at the time. Yeah. And I think we didn't we didn't have a good play or something. And you just see Grimes saying something, and then out of nowhere, the ref gets super offended, says like, "Oh, get your boy," or something like that. That like gestures to right. to Kelly, like, "Get your boy." And then I don't know, I don't know what Kelly was thinking. He must have thought it was something back in Grand Valley or something. Man, he went all the way down there and. And he didn't say anything to him. He just went and tried to move him ASAP. Like, what? what is – and, you know, Grimes a real smooth dude. So, you know, it wasn't a cool moment for sure, but uh, some stuff that we would never forget as a team, that's for sure. <laughs> it was like, Coach, assistants asking, like, you okay? And Grimes yeah, – everybody was like, that's messed up. <laughs> right, right. And Grimes is looking like, yo, man, y'all better get this dude, man. He was straight for the like, You grab a man up here, dude. It was one of those moments when you had to remember where you was. I remember where I was, but he had to remember where he was. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. It's like, yo, man, oh, I'm we got to get Grimes. We got to get Grimes on the show, bro. Oh man, it's about one of my, one of the, the the best the best coaches to be around. Didn't matter football position or not. Yeah, David Grimes, one of the most solid, solid dudes that you would find on the team. That's why it was such a, you know, everybody on a player's standpoint took his back because, you know, Sheldon, big Sheldon was there because we all care about Grimes, man. And so 
any other coach, I don't think he would have had as much player uh, notice as it was. Yeah, Big Shell was looking like, what the hell? Yeah, right. Like, bro, that that's was... why he grabbed. He didn't touch. He didn't touch coach. He grabbed no, no, David. No, no. Like, man, let me grab David. Get him up out of here. And that's the thing. It's like everybody was caught off guard because it's like, you know, I get those Tom Brady moments where you're like, oh, if that was Odell, you know, they would have said something different. Tom Brady does the same thing. But this is one of those moments like it don't get no you it don't give you no excuse, Mr. Brian Kelly, to be doing all that. One, because we was we was winning. And two, you wilding out. You know, you can't be doing that. Right. So let's get to it, man. Some breaking news over the weekend. Uh big announcement made on Instagram and Twitter by 2023 safety wide receiver of uh, recruit. Peyton Bond, Denton, Texas, same team as Jackson Arnold, who is another recruit from 2023 that Notre Dame is interested in. And, yo, this kid right here, two-way player, athlete, that's what they've been going after. He can catch the ball, take it the distance very fast. We're going to do a full breakdown of him in the cutting room floor coming up in a couple of days. Look at him in the return game, athletic, explosive, Man, and not only him, he has a, a younger brother also that Notre Dame is after. As you see right there, he plays defensive back, Eli Bourne with the pick. So he broke news this weekend on his uh, Twitter page that he'll be making an announcement on January 1st at 1145. And he'll be making the announcement prior to the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame is in... Very, 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 man, I don't know how many varies I need to say to let you know that Notre Dame is in a really good spot to secure the commitment from Peyton Bourne on January 1st. So when we saw him tweet out that he was having this commitment uh, ceremony on January 1st, we retweeted him, quoted, retweeted him, and said, oh, man, Big W and this? And he liked the tweet. So, of course, we reached out to him. And hopefully there will be some type of interaction between us that we can bring to you guys around the time of his commitment. Uh, we're going to try to solidify that. But it was good to see. Now, earlier in the day, on the weekend, another 2023 prospect, fruit, offer, 2023 Quarterback from out there by you, Nico Iamaliva, cut his list of schools down to 12. And Notre Dame made the list amongst others like Alabama, UCLA, BYU. No, USC did not make the list, which was shocking that UCLA was his LA school. So the thing that I liked about that and that we want to talk about immediately is that Peyton Bowen, who is more than likely going to play safety at Notre Dame, but is also very explosive in the return game and as a wide receiver, retweeted uh, Nico's tweet. And then Cardell Tate was actually the first person to retweet and said, hmm, seems like we have certain schools in common. 
those two schools, Ohio State and Notre Dame. So what are we saying? And what did we say two days ago? There's a direct correlation between the wide receiver room and the quarterback room because wide receivers are watching always what the top quarterbacks are doing in the schools that they're going to. Yeah, and that's that's 100% the truth, man. You love to see in the recruiting space the kids being able to contact each other through social media, letting it be public their interest in Notre Dame because at some point the kids got to recruit themselves too. The school has a huge hand, but the kids got to be loving the same situation. And to see the interactions from the 2023 class and it being a year out, you know, we're getting early interactions. We got guys making commitments to coincidentally the couple minutes before our game. You know, it all points to the right direction and it points to the positive side of what or the positive result of what Marcus Freeman has done in recruiting. He can sit back, focus on the game, and and let his recruiting take place while he's focused on the game. You know, he's going to have guys that turn into his many recruiters. And I think that's the culture you want to build. Like, for instance, thinking about 2015, I'm sorry, thinking about the class I was coming in 2013. Yeah. We were already best friends before we got to campus. And that type of class chemistry builds a team chemistry because when you're coming in as a class and you're coming in early, guys are starting to pop on the field. Guys are getting in, and then you get supported by your classmates because we already all cool and stuff. It just makes for more success, and that's how you get those classes that have 40 wins or something like that. So um, it's a good recipe for success, and especially in recruiting, and we're looking to see the results after this first game. So this, this, I think this game against Oklahoma State will confirm a lot of the recruits' thoughts and feelings that were previously undecided at first. So when they see how we come out this week, we got all spring the, the the point to that game and be like, that's the direction we're going in. Absolutely. So we tell you all the time, correlation between the quarterback room, wide receiver room, is very important in recruiting. Notre Dame is starting to connect those dots. And to be honest, that's two of the troubled areas or two of the troubled positions over the last 10 to 12 years for Notre Dame. Whether it's development, getting wide receivers in, as I said before, if we – and that's including you, bro. That's including guys like you, Ev, all the great quarterbacks, and then Ian Book, who's the winningest quarterback, and then Jakovic that left. If you really line it up, man, one can say that the wide receivers that came through, man, the depth of the talent might have been more than the quarterback room. I think the development in the wide receiver room, though, we throw a lot of shade at the development. You know, the wide receivers that actually eventually came on, produced late in their careers more than likely, and then went on to the NFL, have been more successful than the quarterbacks at Notre Dame. So when we look at development from both of those rooms, spotty at best, one might say. But once again, we step out on a limb and say, you're going to be critical of one coach in that particular area, then guess what? You got to be critical of the coach that's over the other room as well when it comes yeah. to recruiting and development. 
and that's and that's something that we're not shying away from on this podcast. Is no. Dale Alexander is really the low hanging fruit in the situation, just because you can just look in that down the hallway and just by causality say, "Oh, you're not doing what you need to be doing for that group." I think it stems from going back even further, and that's just the offensive identity. We've never had the offensive identity as a as a team to be receiver focused anyway. It's always been tight end, running back, you know, tight end, you running back, you offensive line, you. Mm-hmm. So breaking into a new offensive identity now that Coach Kelly's on, I think that helps massively in being able to free call exactly what you wanted wanted to look like, especially from Tommy's perspective to now. We have to look at you, Tommy, because there is nobody else. You know, you talk about the Odell and Baker. Is it Odell or is it Baker? We've seen when you took one out of the common denominator what what the real problem was or what the uh, the bigger issue was. And I think this is sort of the same thing. We don't have Odell anymore distracting us with, <laughs> with Brian Kelly on the offense. All the scapegoatism goes out the window. Now we got to look directly at Tommy and how he's involving the receivers. And if he's involving the receivers and we're dropping passes or we're not getting open, that's one thing. But to have a bigger focus on them, it's something that that's not their fault either, you know. So, absolutely, I'm excited to see uh, who steps up now that they got the reins uh, theoretically taken off of them. Let's see who goes out there and plays like they're refreshed, like they're involved, because we don't have Kyrie, so we're going to have to depend on those receivers a little bit more and and their leadership and experience. And and a guy like Jack, who's not afraid to throw that thing up and anticipate. Yeah, it's creating a, a great mix for us to see some 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 uh, some flashing lights in that game on the first. It's crazy because I want to talk about something else that hit Twitter that we're going to get into in about five minutes. This is the Lucky Lefty podcast with my guy, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. I'm Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. Malik is at Overtime Malik. As we continue this conversation about the symmetry between the quarterback room and the wide receiver room and recruiting, Peyton Bowen will make an announcement. Uh, more than likely, he is going to sign with Notre Dame on January the 1st and commit to the 2023 class at 11.45 a.m., shortly before Notre Dame takes the field. He's probably uh, doing that so he can go ahead and get his sideline passes and his tickets so he can go <laughs> the <game>. out there. <laughs> I just Marcus want to Freeman say – like, if you commit before the game, I can get you on the field. <laughs> Yo, and more than likely, we just show film of him playing both ways and and playing uh, in the return game and how explosive he is. But more than likely, he is going to be playing the safety position at Notre Dame. I and think he, we need to start right here and say he'll start out playing safety. Yeah, but right. who knows? Right, right. <laughs> Competition, right? His whole class is a bunch of, of mixed bag of. If you put them in the right place, you may get something you wouldn't even expect it, or yeah. twice as much Absolutely. out of production out of a one as a one uh, position athlete. So once again, with the likes of Brendan Vernon, Keon Keeley, Adon Shula already in the mix, I mean they already are man solidifying. They might have the best safety combo in the 2023 class already committed. That's what I'm saying. We might just have to say we have to 
host combine. If you commit, you just got to have a whole combine when you get up to school because we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Everybody get down and run the 40. Everybody get down. We're going to hit these bags, see who pops the most. Right. But, hey, every week I think even – even with the creativity and the, and the design of how we're recruiting, we we might even see different starters every week. You know, if we getting if we getting real real freaky and real creative, yeah, we could have starters, new starters every week and rotate and not have not skip a beat. You know, if we're doing it right, right. This is the most switchable football team we probably ever had. Where you know you got guys that are size like two it playing. Offensive guard and DN and a little bit of tight end, you know, right. and Emil Wagner and stuff like that. So, I'm super excited that this is the uh, the evolution of a recruiting, and we're seeing it in the first year. Now, if this was two, three years down the road, I'd be like, maybe this wasn't a great fit. But for all this to be happening before we even finished the season of the previous head coach, right, right, I think it spells something great in the future. It's so crazy because you have these two guys being recruited as safeties and they'll be coming in and competing with guys that didn't start out as safety, <laughs> that have solidified themselves as the future. Guys have been catching the rock. <laughs> going into the Fiesta Bowl, right. That, that's, that's really crazy, but it just shows, once again, the staff and their ability to identify talent and find a place immediately for them to get on the field and make an impact, and you have to feel really good about that as a Notre Dame fan moving forward. Yeah, of course, and our special teams are going to be a, a spectacular. Oh, hopefully. You know, our special teams kick off, pump, return. Our, our special teams will probably have the most benefit, considering you can throw anybody out there at gunning. You got the whole – even the punter may even play a couple of different positions if we, if yeah. we really think about it, you know. But I really appreciate, and fans should be excited, about the fact that this is this is encompassing more than just getting the top recruiting class. We're getting the right players. You know, the, the new type of Notre Dame player yeah. is an athlete. <laughs> we it ain't about and ain't, we ain't thinking about the 4.0. We think about how many different things can you do? You know, can you play the violin in your off time? We know we might even start doing stuff like that because that's how versatile we want yeah. our athletes. It's more than just being able to uh, write a nice five-page paper the night before class. You got to be able to coach, damn near play, damn near tape ankles, you know, because you never know. People get hurt. We might need you to sub in for the right. water boy one of these times, you know. So right. I think this will limit the transfers that yeah. you'll see uh, as a result because kids feel like, okay, this didn't work out. Let me try this. Let me try this. And they don't have to think, let me try different schools. <laughs> Let me try a different position. And yeah. I think Marcus Freeman is young enough to relate to players to be able to be like, okay, you look like a receiver. You look like a, a nickel today. Let me let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can do. For all of our listeners out there, everybody that's watching, don't check us out. If you don't check us on YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel and you listen to podcasts a little bit more, subscribe to us, A2S Network, also on Apple Podcasts. And you'll get to us that way as well. You can listen to us in your ear as you're riding to work, commuting to work, or just running on the treadmill. You can check out Lucky Lefty Podcast away from our YouTube channel. 
Go ahead and search A2S Network on Apple Podcasts and those podcasts will pop up. For those that are watching right now, uh, followers, subscribers, and um, go ahead and give a brief breakdown of, of, of Nico and what makes him special before I'm sure you're going to have. Matter of fact, we'll put the link in. We, we did a breakdown earlier this year of six quarterbacks from the 2023 class. Check it out. Uh, we'll post the link in the comments a little bit later in the show. I believe it was Dante Moore, Nico Iamaliba, Jackson Arnold, and I think it was two for five. We did five quarterbacks. Yeah. So you can check that out. But you'll be going more in-depth on Nico in the coming days. What makes Nico so special? What makes Nico really special is his height. And I know that it's not saying much yet, but the height and the ability that he's still an athlete and he can move around, it makes you feel better when you're talking about the relationship between the receiver and the quarterback room. As a receiver, you feel a lot better when a guy is, can see you and you know he can see you. It's different than an Ian Book where you're like, man, I don't know if this guy going to see me down the field. We know this kid can see you. And for him to be an athlete, to keep plays alive, it just adds to the, the mystique of a, a tall, athletic quarterback. You know, yeah. we're used to seeing – Tall athletic quarterbacks is bruisers, but we haven't seen a tall athletic quarterback that's a playmaker that can run around and continue and extend plays. And his height is only going to make it better for him to see different things that shorter guys can't see. And that's just a real thing. So uh, the unique thing that he has is the fluid ability as an athlete and his height. Mix that with his arm and his decision making, you can get something special out of it. And for Notre Dame, it's refreshing because it makes the the room look a little bit better. You know, when you talk about going to the grocery store, you're seeing a variety of different fruits. Instead of just seeing a bunch of apples, you got an apple, orange, and you got a, a pineapple sticking out there. Right, right. Our fruit salad in the quarterback room would give us a better flavor, and hopefully it can, it can stand out enough to make the difference when we're trying to put it all together. Man. I can't wait to see the full breakdown. It's like you said, man, he just stands in the pocket. And uh, for him to be so tall, he's not stiff. Yeah, he doesn't know stiff, like, power. I'm going to throw it a 1,000 yards because I'm just stout. Yeah. He's, like, not been – he's, like, a in-between a Josh. He's, like, a Josh Allen type, you know. And uh, people look at his stature and just think, like, yo, he's skinny. There's some weight on the kid. Like, don't get it twisted. Yeah, I mean, look at Bryce Young. He's skinny. Right. <laughs> look at Devontae Smith. He's skinny. And we're yeah. Heisman. Yeah. So the last two Heismans, I mean, you know, they were probably that size in, in senior year of high school. <laughs> and it, yeah. it's, so, it's so funny because, of course, the, the crown jewel is, you know, to most is either Arch Manning or Dante Moore from that class. Nico comes in third or fourth in the rankings. And um, let's say it, Nico might have the best arm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the California weather because yeah. I'm out here. I'm like, I'm coaching. I'm like, I could throw 5,000 yards in this weather. I mean, every day is so perfect. So it's like yeah. perfect conditions. Yeah, you see why a lot of these California quarterbacks breaking these ridiculous passing records. But – I do think that he's going to appear to have a better arm because he's taller. So he's pulling from a lot more different places of power when he's throwing the football, as opposed to, you know, a Dante who's more uh, 
an electric athlete. So he's going to pop with his throw. Nico's going to have some girth behind his throw. You right. know, so it's a difference between the ball coming through your hands and then the ball leaving his hands. It looks like a whip, you know, like, ooh. Right. You know, so it's it's more of what you want to ever – it's an aesthetic of whatever you want to see. I think we're going to get two different flavors, though, from a Nico and a Dante, which are good. And it will be helpful for our recruiting to not recruit more guys that are doing the same thing. Is there anything in particular – outside of just communication and speaking on the field, either in the Fiesta Bowl or moving into 2022, that can be done by the offensive staff to show either one of these guys that, yo, this is the place where you want to be. Well, I think it's a unique position because a lot of it too is how much can you explain the situation that y'all have now? You know, I mean, are you telling these guys, Look, this is Tyler's team for a year, and then after that is up for discussion. Or are you saying you guys can come in and it and we don't know who's gonna start? So I think it starts there. I don't, I think the recruits also know the situation Notre Dame has where they're like, you know, I could potentially see me going there, but I'm not trying to play half and half the whole season either. Right, right. So I think that's something that some of them maybe be waiting to look and see. So this this game. It's, it's a catch-22. Do I play Tyler half the time to show, you know, that he's going to be ready for next year? Or do I just commit to the old man in the in the back with Jack and just let him ride this game to the finish? So I think what's more important outside of that dynamic is to see how the offense is coming out. Are we scoring points early? Are we starting fast? Are we – oh, we look like the same team yeah. just with a different head coach. So – a lot of different things that Notre Dame can do. Obviously, winning is the most important. But from the things that are flashpoints, things that are more, um, you know, you're not going to see it on the scoreboard, but you just get the feeling of watching it. I think that's something that they're looking forward to seeing as well. It's crazy that you mentioned that because if you're having that discussion, you know, you want transparency and honesty. And that seems to be one of the uh, best attributes of Marcus Freeman that we've talked about in his press conferences, how transparent he is and how he might begin to uh, include a little bit more coach speak as he gets more into Yeah, I think yeah, he's going to have to. He's going to have to because when you're dealing with quarterbacks, it's very delicate, and you can't give them a word salad either. You know, you can't give them a bunch of sound good either. Yeah. you got to be kind of uh, – you have to be more direct when it comes to your quarterback. I think that's where – Brian Kelly could have been better for developing quarterbacks during his time. Yeah. It's just to be more direct. You're getting paid the most money on the team. You got to make those decisions without it being a, a uncertainty. Every time you're dealing with quarterbacks, is uncertainty because you don't know which way you're going to fall. But as a head coach, you're getting paid to make specifically those decisions. You know, if right. nothing else, you need to decide this guy's doing it, this guy's not. He didn't do a great job of that, so there's a bunch of limbo in the room. And it gave us a bunch of unproductivity. Once again, it's the Lucky Lefty Podcast with Sean Davis and Malik Zaire, the original Lucky Lefty himself. Just discussing a bit of recruiting news over the weekend. Just to reiterate, Nico Iamaliva out of California narrowed his list down to 12 schools, and Notre Dame did make the final list. Of course, aside or next to Ohio State, Alabama, UCLA, 
and a few other schools. Carnell Tate, another 2023 wide receiver prospect and offer for Notre Dame, immediately retweeted uh, his decision that he put out on Twitter and said, I see that we have some of the same schools. Wink, wink. So once again, we're just talking about and pointing out how important it is to simultaneously solve the issues in recruiting that have been connected to the quarterback room and wide receiver room. And it seems like Notre Dame is putting forth a really good effort at trying to do that. I know a lot of people want and are looking for a move and a change at the coaching position at the wide receiver and wide receiver room. And we told you that uh, that particular coach is being vetted and watched during the practices and, and watched during this time of how he talks to and deals with recruits and a decision, a difficult decision is going to have to be made. So all the rumblings that you're hearing and people are scared saying, well, man, I don't know. I don't, they might keep them if they keep them. So what? Yeah. So like, what? So, so what? I, this is why I mean, I've been told that I've given them a pass. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just giving somebody an opportunity. I look at the glass as half full rather than half empty. That's just, that's just, I'm not a pessimist. That's just the way I look at things. No, straight like, up. In, in the, dude, a role player, he could be a great role player, right? All shooters look great next to LeBron James. But the difference, right. but the difference with shooters with LeBron James expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a little more heat when the, the king kick it out to you. Yes, sir. You need the three. You know, it ain't like you playing for Detroit and it's like, man, I'm hitting the miss and I'm taking them all day. But that it's also like, makes you that also makes you step it up. And that's you know, and that's what you can't put on Dale. Right. You know, you Dale can bring you to the water, but he can't make you make those shots and take those moments. When they're presented, and I think that's the missing piece in that receiver room. Who's gonna do that consistently enough that we could just call on like, hey, like in 2014, 15, our guy was Corey Robinson. Corey right. Robinson wouldn't play the entire game. He'll, 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 Corey Robinson would even let other players get his reps. They'd be like, oh, let me get this one, Corey. He's like, go ahead, go ahead. When it came down that third and eight, USC, we look back and it's, hey, Corey, we need you. He just. Jersey super clean, ain't ain't not cold at all, not warm at all. Didn't stretch, did nothing. <laughs> Couldn't even find his helmet. <laughs> Throw him out there. He's one hand in Randy Moss and kids. Just one one play, and that's it. That's all he needed. Those are the guys that we need because not only was Corey an amazing receiver, but he was a great teammate. And he was always making the clutch plays when you needed him. So our guys in that receiver room, we don't need a guy that's a Michael Floyd that's got to catch a thousand catches every year. Mm. We just need a guy that's going to make those right plays against Clemson, man to man. We winning them one on one against Alabama, third down and eight. Yeah. We're making that catch over the middle. That's all because it doesn't take too many big steps that we need to even close the gap. There's a bunch of little ones that's making the difference. It's like we talked about last week right we talked about how important or how we want notre dame's offense to be like kansas city's offense yeah right like they have a switch that no one else has that's right and like that's what you're talking about having guys on offense it's like yo when you need that play 
or you need to go to the next level, you have that quarterback, you have that wide receiver that can go out there and say, all right, we're about to get this done. Yeah, and especially, too, now that you're fostering the right kind of um, competitive vibes around the team, I would just make it, if I'm Marcus Freeman, making the receiver room open. I'm like, look, y'all starting out as receivers. Oh, yeah. But anybody on this team can be a receiver now. <laughs> so, yeah, better make a play. <laughs> and that's crazy, man, when you recruit explosive players, just explosive players. That's right. Period. It's like, man. Somebody going to pop. I got to get the ball in his hand. Yeah, somebody going to get the pop. ball in his hand. Like, now I understand – why those Florida teams were so incredibly – it's like you had the ball in Tebow's hand every play, right? Then you would get the ball to Percy Harvin. Then you had Aaron Hernandez. That's right. Then you had Murphy on the outside. Then you had Riley Cooper on the other side. You do. You had playmakers everywhere. You got the Pouncey brothers. Pouncey brothers up front. And it's like, yo, you can hit the switch at any time. Like a team can be playing, be in the game with you, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's take it to the next level. Yeah, because they all could do everything. You know, Aaron Hernandez could play out wide. Riley Cooper can play inside like Kevin Austin. Yeah. You got Percy Harvin as a do-it-all guy on special teams and on offense, running back, receiver, slot. Tim Tebow's a great decision maker outside of being the great hope. So, you know, you're going to have influence right there from a leadership perspective, but constructing teams like that is, is fostered in competition. So do we got the right formula? It's like the powder puff girls, the sugar spice, everything nice. We <laughs> threw it all in there. You know, Marcus Freeman, Professor X'd it, X'd it up. Yeah. Now we're looking to see the explosion and, and what happens after. So we got all the ingredients to have a team like that mm-hmm. and the personality like that. So – um, it's just exciting, man. Exciting to see if it turns out how it's supposed to. Yo, guess what happened? It's a great weekend for us. You know, because we say things, we spin it different, bro. That's right. And we put things out there and everybody else might, you know, they want to wait. Like, we we put the breadcrumbs out there about Harry Heastan first. That's what, yes, we did. And, you know, everybody wanted to confirm and everything, you know. And uh, we put the breadcrumbs out there that uh, Blake Fisher yep. will probably be playing. We didn't say who would, re- would replace, even though we, we pretty much knew who we felt like he would replace. But we put it out there. Like, you know, Blake Fisher. And, you know, you guys can go over to our brothers, irisbreakdown.com. Go to the message board. If you haven't signed up, please sign up. As Brian Driscoll, our brother, gives great intel. And some of the intel he broke late last night on the message board over there, Iris Breakdown, is that not only will Blake Fisher be playing in the Fiesta Bowl, he will be playing a lot in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, I think this is uh, trying to make up for some of that time that he missed, man. He missed the whole season. He played the first game and that missed everything in between. Hey, man, I told you I wasn't worried about that. If, comp- if it was truly, if practice was really about competition, I knew he was getting in the lineup. Like yeah. we just gonna have a true competition. I know, I know one spot on the offensive line he's better than off jump. <laughs> Without no questions asked. That spot right there, yeah, you can insert him immediately. And so that position just got better. He said, put, 
putting the best on the field is 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 automatic. So you knew that he that he wasn't the best. <laughs> Man, but see, once again, that that's the atmosphere, right? Because we talking about him recruiting, and we talk about identifying how to get guys on the field. That goes to the offensive line as well, yeah. and we're seeing it. And you love to hear that because those are certain things. You know, the previous regime is more about loyalty. Yeah, now hold on, hold on, yeah, be hold loyal. On. Yo, Marcus Freeman was like, yo, whoever's the best is going to play, and that's great to hear to see the direction that Notre Dame's moving in. The best will play. So go and out you want, and you want a guy like Blake Fisher to go out there and get his feet wet again because it's a long offseason between this game yeah. and, and that Ohio State game at the shoe. So you don't want him to be itching all season. You want him to have That's something he can point. watch. That's a good point. That's a good In point. All season, be like, look, this is what you did on the last time we left off. Mm-hmm. This is how much you've gotten better since hurting yourself that first game. Something to chew on. He don't play this game. You know, a lot of uncertainty moving forward for his own confidence because he's like, dang, man, I got to damn near miss the whole year. I got to restart. So this would be a great uh, confidence booster. And then something for he's staying to look at. You know, all right, Blake, I done seen what you did versus Oklahoma State. Come to the doctor. The doctor got some film on you. I'm going to break it down. We're going to get better for the next year. So the stuff that he stands teaching in the spring, I believe it will translate in the summer. <laughs> man. I hope so. And I hope we can just – that's a perfect segue. We talked about Harry Heastan, and uh, it's it's done. It, you know, the paperwork is not fully done, but it's, it's done. Announcement is coming after the bowl game. He is the guy. Um, anything else surrounding that, you know, who might be his successor? Is Chris Watt coming in? Those things are still fuzzy. And uh, I'm sure that's still being discussed as well. But if Harry Heastan has been around, that means he's been watching practice. That's another thing I like. If he's been around, he's been watching the offensive line in practice. And I hope they've been allowing him to say something. Yeah, 100%. I most definitely, you know, Coach Heastan is a real respectful guy, man. He's not stepping on toes when he gets in there. So he's probably been a fly on the wall, but he's 100% been watching film. Yeah. And I think that's something that he's going to be ready for going into next year is that he already got the breakdown of all these suckers in the room. He knows exactly what to do and how to move forward. And that's the program type of builders you need when yeah. you're starting off for a first year as a head coach, getting ready for a top matchup for the next year as the first game. Yeah. I think it's something. But that point you made about making sure that Blake Fish actually sees the field and gets some more film on himself before, you know, spring practice so he can actually watch, take that to spring, know exactly what he needs to work on so he's not, you know, kind of just coming off a of half a game at the yeah, start of the half season. Half a game and a lot of Yeah. Yeah, that will be really difficult. That's a great point. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We're discussing right now. We've moved on from the recruiting news over the weekend, talking about Harry Heastan and uh, his deal being done. Uh, I guess from the standpoint of the in agreement, they have agreed in principle. And now the paperwork has to be signed. The announcement to come sometime after the Fiesta Bowl. He has been around the team, been around the offices, 
I don't know how involved he's been in, but I'm pretty sure he probably was watching practice uh, at Notre Dame. The team leaves today going out to the Fiesta Bowl site. They'll land sometime later on this afternoon. And it's game week, bro. It's game week. It's game week. It's game week, and it's ready to get it. This is the question I want to ask you. Uh, Dick Vitale over the weekend, huge Notre Dame fan, Notre Dame football fan. You know him from uh, being color analyst for ESPN basketball. And um, huge size of Notre Dame, loves Notre Dame football. He tweeted out over the weekend that this matchup in the Fiesta Bowl is not going to be Cupcake City for Notre Dame. And he warned Notre Dame fans to expect a very tight game. And um, I, it, I saw people respond to that and, and you know, big giving big ups to Oklahoma State's defense. I'll say this, bro. This will not be the toughest defense that Notre Dame faces. They're just not. They're just, they're just not. Out of all the defenses that, that they faced, as I said before, the front four, stout. The linebackers, because of the front four, the linebackers look a whole lot better. Right. Like, if you just isolate the linebackers, yeah, they can come down, they can make tackles, they can be aggressive, but do you catch them in the passing game and you can isolate them and scheme, they're very susceptible right. to big plays in the passing game. The backside, they want to keep everything in front of them. They don't play a lot of man-to-man, but as, as a unit, they play very well together. Yeah. Honestly, and the stats say it, if you go to Football Outsiders, you do DVOA, you do DFEI, uh, DDE, all of the stats, Wisconsin and Oklahoma State flip-flop in those stats. Yeah. Wisconsin, in my opinion, Wisconsin is the best defense that Notre Dame has faced. It's their front seven in totality is better than Oklahoma State's front seven. Forget the sacks. We're just talking about the players. Yeah. Their front seven is better, in my opinion, than the front seven that Notre Dame is going to face. And the, the offensive line that Notre Dame faced that Wisconsin defense with is it's much better, better now. Yeah, they're a lot better. Exactly. So Notre Dame pretty much until turnovers late in the second half, Notre Dame had – they controlled that game without the offense being at peak, at its peak. Yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're way more talented in, absolutely. A, in a vacuum than Oklahoma State. Absolutely. From a totality standpoint, I think we're more talented. My biggest thing is that this is a team where you can't let them hang around because it'll turn into a Big 12 game where it's a shootout coming to the last possession. I think our defense is way better than that. Yeah. But offensively, we're going to have to score some points early to to hold off that that initial first wave of what they're bringing. Yeah, if we let this team hang around for eight minutes left in the third quarter, and they mm-hmm. and you know it's it's been a struggle, and we're only up three going into yeah. the fourth, that's gonna that's gonna make the game a lot tougher because then we're gonna to have to rest on players that we've been depending on that we don't have. And like usually we're calling Kyron's number if it's a close game in the fourth quarter. Not having the Kyron for reasons outside of him uh, being hurt, 
who are we calling on in that four minutes that we've been depending on all season if it's not Kyrie? That's the position I don't want to be in when you're playing an experienced defense like Oklahoma State because they are good. They may not be the best, but they are good enough to take advantage if we're asleep at the wheel. And that's why, for me, the spotlight is on Tommy Reese in this game. You have better weapons. You have a solid defense. Your offensive line is much better. Now, let's see how you attack this Oklahoma State defense, especially early in the game, where you should have scripted plays to be able to take advantage of what they want to do. And I do believe, too, that because it's a Big 12 team, we just have to show commitment to running the football. Big 12 teams don't have commitment. They'll run, but they don't have commitment to run. Right. I think with the amount of running backs we have, that they're all pretty good, solid. Like Aldrich Estimate, that's my guy, man. I can't wait to see him go. Big boy. We need to just punish them and commit to the run to where they're like, man, we got to tackle these boys. Once we put in their mind that they have to tackle us because we're not make, giving them easy outs by throwing it 50 yards down the field every time. Yeah. And we're making them tackle on a third and four, tackle our, tackle our running back. You know, right. we keep getting first down after first down. That's how you, how you wear on an experienced team like that. Yeah, when you're a better team, because they're, you know, you don't want to get in the, the chance of you're trying things and they're getting tips and picks or little fumbles and stuff, because uh, momentum for t- defenses like that is why they're so good. So if we get the momentum out the way first, I think we'll handle them by the end of the game. They say styles make fights, right? So when you look at defenses, styles make fights. So Georgia had a great defense, right, all year. But they had never faced anybody with the style that Alabama brought to the SEC championship game. And it's only and it's only two teams in the country that have that type of style offensively that will give Georgia an issue. And they didn't adjust well. And that's on the coaches. Yeah. In my opinion, the style of defense that Oklahoma State plays is much easier than, say, a Cincinnati. Now, the numbers say that Oklahoma State is a better defense than Cincinnati. The front four might say that they're a better defense. But you know what gives Notre Dame problems? Those two cornerbacks. Because they can take away one of your major options. And that gives the defensive line time to get home. I don't think Oklahoma State has that. So the rhythm and getting the ball out of his hands, I think Jack Clone will have a better time getting the ball out of his hands in this game than he he did, per se, versus Cincinnati because they lack the defense backs to go man-to-man and shut Kevin Austin down and frustrate. Yeah, that Jack Clone's, one of his abilities is throwing it up when in doubt. And against a team like Cincinnati, you don't really feel great about just throwing it up no. on one-on-ones just because they got talent. Against this team, Oklahoma State, I feel better. I think he'll feel better throwing it up uh, and winning doubt, especially if the D-line's hitting home. Yeah, I think this is a game where Jack feels more confident in getting the ball out of his hands a lot faster just because he knows that they're going to show him some stuff that he probably hasn't seen or he's probably going to catch him on guard. Right. Tommy's Tommy's good enough to give him options in those times throughout the game. 
to where he can make an, a, an adjustment call or whatever the case is. So Tommy's good enough on a, having a plan. It really just comes down to the quarterback position and how he goes out there and executes. If the moment gets too big, which I don't think it will, because mm-hmm. Jackson's a pretty calm, cool, and collected dude, I think we'll have a great chance of, of winning early and often. And then towards the end, hopefully see some Tyler Buckner in there. Not if we are desperate, but if we're, you know, trying to add something different to the offense. That's interesting. You mentioned Tyler Buckner again. It takes me back to the conversation we had about 10, 15 minutes ago. Ooh, that's a difficult spot, man. I wonder how Tyler feels. Like, sitting, having people doubt him within the fan base, what he can be next year. Having to develop, having the pressure of having that team and leading that team next year as a sophomore, and at the same time knowing the big time recruits that are coming in in the in the following year. As a quarterback, what's going to allow him to just be to have the blinders on and just play football to the best of his ability? Well, in honesty, it really comes down to are they keeping it real? Mm, okay. If you're not keeping it real, you just you'll never be able to play at your at your your peak performance because yeah. you can't trust the fact that you gotta look over your shoulder all day. So if his confidence is wavered because he don't know if they really committed to him, he don't know if he just got a quick leash, he don't know if they really looking to play the younger guys, they just passing time. He don't know if he's even going to be a full starter. He's not going to be out here doing this shit the whole four years, playing sometimes and playing not. So that's the biggest killer. If he don't trust the relationship that he has with Tommy and what Marcus Freeman is telling him, and if they doing him dirty by, you know, not allowing him to play to the fullest or giving him the confidence to play to the fullest, or developing a game plan. I mean, you can see when they're not supporting a starting quarterback through the play calls, through the moves that they make, playing a guy half on, half off. So those are more things mentally and the mental gymnastics you got to get through outside of just performing. So that's the biggest um, hurdle that Tyler will have to come over. And it it can be easy if Mm -hmm. the coaches keep it real with him. You know, the coaches be like, we want you to be the starter. We're going to treat you like the starter and move forward. Or they say after the game against Oklahoma State, all right, well, we'll see you for the competition next year. (laughs) I think either way, if you just keep it real, it'll benefit the team. But if you if you telling them sweet nothings and and filling his head with a bunch of dreams about what could happen or potentially happen or maybe happen. It's going to be a tough spring for that quarterback room for sure. So we had a question. Let's get to some of these questions, man, before we get to, you know what, uh, David Grant, uh, David Jones had a question. Here it is for you, bro. Malik, if players are moving around to different positions, doesn't that present them from becoming exceptional elite at any one position? Right now, if you're making it at Notre Dame from your tape, you are elite because you do different things, you're versatile. Look, catching the football, making tackles, you you don't have to be singular to or exclusive to one to be really good at it. So for anything, 
I think you're going to be elite because you it's just like playing more sports in high school than just one. If you play tennis, volleyball, football, basketball, you're probably a better athlete than just being a football player. So I think it's the it same applies. I understand sometimes people say you're a jack of all trades, but you're a master at none. I think if anything, you don't need to be it. Only one position that needs to be a master of anything and playing one position only, and that's the quarterback. Because he dis- he, dist- he distributes the football, he's the guy that has to be the same way every day. Everybody else is just playing football. These kids have played football all their life. So four years is not going to make a difference if they tackling one time or if they catching the other. And I think for NFL, it just makes you more of a valuable player anyway because you can play special teams, you can fill any position needed on a 54-man ro- 53-man roster. So that's giving more value to the players themselves. So you talk about building your brand, having athletes that play multiple positions is better for them personally. Yeah. Especially getting to the NFL if you're not a quarterback. Now, if you're a quarterback, I wouldn't suggest that. But if you're a non-quarterback, yeah, play multiple positions. You know, that that's what every kid wants anyway. <laughs> what kid doesn't want to be at Notre Dame catching footballs and, you know, making interceptions and big tackles? So, yes, I think it's a benefit to have guys, and I think guys can be elite doing multiple things except the quarterback position. Heck, three of our linebackers played other positions. And this yeah. is one of the best. This is the number one linebacker core of recruits in the nation. Amongst yeah, and they damn near can play a different sport and be sweet. Yeah, you know, two play quarterback, one play wide receiver. So, like, yo, that's that's athletes, and you want to get the best athletes. All right. And so, I mean, and I think you know, I trust that this coaching staff making that change knows what they're doing enough to be uh, secure in getting positionless players like they're doing. Oh, that's a good question. Would you take our corners or OK States in this game versus our wide receivers? I'm taking our corners because I trust our defensive coordinator better. I like the fit and the play style of what we're calling. You got to remember, Coach Freeman has been calling defenses versus every style of offense in the country. <laughs> He's got the Wisconsin's of the world to all the way down to the Virginia Techs and the USC style of offenses where you're Sam Howell, throwing it to his one guy the whole time, like Drake London and USC. Mm-hmm. And you got a guy turn around, hand it off at Stanford and, and, and Wisconsin. Right. So the, the style of defenses, I mean, style of offenses that you're defending each week is only giving more experience to our corners. They're not just playing man all day and following guys around in the passing league, like seven on seven. They got to come and make tackles as a force player. They got to play some zone. They got to play – uh, some runs, some pass. So our corners are more versatile in their experience, which is why I'm taking them over Oklahoma State's off, uh, defensive guy. And I see David Jones, you just answered his question. Look, man, Jeff Burris was like an All-American safety in his senior year. He was playing running back in the red zone. Yeah, look at Ty Light. Ty Light was doing so, a little bit of everything. So, yo, yeah. if you're a good coach, you you <laughs> – the best players on your team, you find a way to get them in the game. Yeah, I mean, if anything, look at how they treating Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill really garbage at all three positions he's playing, but yeah. because he plays all three, he's he just a valuable dude, you know. So you just Thanks. want him on the team because it's like, okay, 
All right, we ain't asked you to play quarterback, but can you make a tackle today? Yeah. Go ahead and get going at kickoff. You know what I mean? So that's the versatility that's getting guys paid. So if I'm a non-quarterback in college, I'm trying to play everything. <laughs> Man, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for getting us to the level that we've gotten to with over 1,100, approaching 1,200 subscribers. And we appreciate you guys, LL Nation, and we appreciate all the support. And the continued support, we're going to continue to spin it different and give you content unlike anybody else covering Notre Dame football and college football. So thank you. Don't forget, subscribe, share, and most importantly, hit that like button. Hit the like button so we can share all this great content with other people and on YouTube and on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, here's another one. I hope we can decipher what GLBC is trying to ask, why is it that the school that won't be mentioned, our rivals we play every year, is getting all of these five stars after being so bad, Yes, yet we struggle to get them. Help me to understand. I, I think he's talking about USC. Yeah, well, one, we're not a team built on five stars. Like we saw that chart. We only have one five star. We're the fourth-ranked most talented team in the country. So we're not a team that's been built on the laurels of five stars. We did say the difference between us and, and the three teams that we struggle to beat are five stars, which is a thing. I mean, but that's just because they just ridiculously have way more than any, than we do. Like, if we just get half as many, you mm. know, I think we'll put ourselves in that one or two or three spots that we're trying to get into. But SC wasn't even on the list. I don't remember. So we ain't worried about teams that we better than without the five stars. Right. So right now, I mean, yeah, we don't have maybe the names just yet, but listen, we're doing it with one five-star on the team, so I'm not worried about necessarily the five-stars. I'm more worried about how we plan when it matters. And can we get some? We do need some. Do we need 15, 16, 19 like the other three teams? Yeah. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think, if anything, we are the non – we're like the Whole Foods option to their Burger King. I think Georgia's more of a Burger King to where they just yeah. got a bunch of superstar talent that they bought and paid for. But we're we're more of a – I think we do develop more than they do, you know, because you we see more NFL players in Georgia, even though Georgia has more five stars. So I think that just shows what one way of recruiting is compared to the other. Yeah, no, I think right now Notre Dame ranks – it's either fourth or fifth. Fifth in players in the NFL, Georgia has hit a spike recently. Uh, think, a huge spike. Yeah, I think Georgia's up to like tied as they're they, flip flopping second and third with Ohio State right now. So they hit they hitting them spikes like the election. It's like how'd you get so many votes? Right. I don't know. Right. How you get so many five star? Y'all was just bottom of the barrel. You know. Yo, when I saw that eighteen five stars in the roster. I said, Yo, that's <laughs> yeah. Like you have to buy that. But this is my thing. Cause ain't nothing out there in Athens to be wanting to go there so bad for. You got 18 five stars and your offense is like that. Is that pedestrian? It's like, dude, they should be lighting the scoreboard up. Yeah. The way Alabama does it. And you know, it's bought and paid for because every person on that team, half the team ain't never been to Georgia. <laughs> hey, Matt, 2018. <laughs> Great to see you. Hope you had a great holiday. Thank you for the uh, Super Chat channel and PC support. He's supporting the channel, and I think he's he's always trying to throw a little dig 
<laughs> my boy Malik. So. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all definitely inspire me more and more every day, man, with the dig to get my computer fixed. Uh, let's see, Lilo uh, Galante. Uh, uh, you missed it. I wore my ND hat two shows last week. I think they begging for an indie and a fashion geek collab. Oh, uh, maybe. See, I spend it different, so you're gonna see different stuff from me every day. Straight up, you're definitely gonna see different stuff from me every day. But I have plenty of indie hats, and I wore two of them last week. And then I got my IB hat supporting my guys. So, uh, two worker says, "Is there a difference between a geek and a dork?" Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there a philosophical breakdown here or what? Yeah, it, it is. See, geek, <laughs> geek is a noun, dork is an action. Oh, okay. Okay. It's my opinion. You can have a really cool geek. Okay. You, yeah. can be a, you can be cool, but you can be a tech geek. Yep. Right? You can have a dude on the team that's cool. He could just be a film geek. Film geek. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he just loves you your craft. You film. love your craft. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can have a, a comic book geek. You know what I mean? You know, that's just your thing. That's just the thing that that's you obsess thing. over that you're in love with. Yeah. You know? That's all that is. It just represents be you. Whatever you obsess over, do that. Don't be ashamed mm-hmm. of it. Go ahead. Be a geek. That's that geek life. Geek over. Dork? Come on, man. Dork, you can't be no film dork. No. No. Nah, <laughs> you don't want to be a dork. That's not a good look, man. See, a dork can go watch film and don't know what the heck he watched. And, and yeah, you automatically don't think he know what he's talking about. And then when you ask him a question about the film, he gives the dumb answer, the goofy answer. Like, look at this dork, man. This dork, this dude's a dork. You know what I'm saying? Nah, that's the difference between a geek and a dork, man, in my opinion. Straight up. No, that, that's a great that's a great explanation. You can't you can't be a dork on too many things, but you can be oh, a geek on a lot. Yeah. See, yo, we started, you know, you started some stuff Friday, right? Because <laughs> people are in the comments all weekend talking about that Lil Wayne stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm not. Hey, listen, it can, it's, it's, it's like a new millennium versus an older millennium debate. Because yeah, people, love, mean, people love mixtape Wayne now. Yeah. Mixtape Wayne got, got cut. I love, wait, hold on. I love mixtape Wayne. That's what people, but people like Jay Z don't got a Jay Z mixtape air, for real. First of all, you're wrong. You're wrong because but like think, Wayne, not like Wayne. He's no, had but, one, but, but the Wayne was he, Wayne he, was turning Wayne, people's songs into his own songs. I that's when mixtapes were the thing. <laughs> mixtapes, mixtapes back in the day was just simply to get to a, a a label to see if you could get a deal. Nobody was really pushing mixtapes like uh, that. So mixtapes are entry fees now, or mixtapes have been legendary. No, I'm saying they were. <laughs> when Wayne started doing his mixtapes, you had DJ Drama. You had like, dude, you had all type of cats. Wayne but made those DJs though. I would really say Wayne really made mixtapes what they became. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. He's yo, a pioneer of the mixtape game. Oh yeah, two worker. Yes, I am a geek. Yes, we're Notre Dame geeks. I yes, we are Notre Dame geeks. <laughs> and LL Nation, if you want, oh, that's another T-shirt. Yeah. That's another T-shirt. LL Nation geek. 
Can't wait to get this merch out. Spin it different. Screen poppers. Notre Dame geeks. All of it. I guess 50 Cent kind of jumped in on the mixtape on the back end. On the back end. And when it was fading out. It was fading out a little bit. I'm a 50 fan too now. Early 50, I am. I'm an early 50 fan. By the time he got to Massacre, massacre I was done. Really? Yeah. Massacre got some cuts on it. it ain't oh, the, it it's not a playthrough. No. It's got some me, cuts on it. Give me mixtape. First album. The first album was just <laughs> such a, a perfect masterpiece because it went with the movie. Yes, you know, I mean, it was too. It was so. I mean, man, Fifty did that. Get rich and die trying, man. I mean, that was iconic to this day. Yeah, yeah. See this right here. This is what I challenge people. Fifty Cent jumped off the mixtape game. No, they hit they hip hop history real short. No, you need to do a little more digging. No, Fifth was like you got to go to that history four one class. You would was like middle. Yeah, Fifth was like middle to the end. You know, G Unit might have expanded mixtape, but like mixtapes really, yo. Once DJ Clue did the professional and took his thing from mixtapes and actually made an album, yeah, that really showed a lot of DJs like DJ Drama down south. <laughs> yo, a DJ Drama really started going getting all the guys down south, like Gucci and all of them, mm-hmm. when they were hungry. And then Wayne, put them all in the same mixtape. Put them all on the same mixtape, and that's when it really started to pop and bubble. That's you when you had know, the volume, the volume ones and twos. And, and at the same time, it started to bubble. That's when you had stuff like Lime Wire, Frostbite. You, you make your own disc or your own playlist. Download some songs on Lime Wire. Man, burning CDs like a mug, man. Burning them man, it was the Wild like Wild West, man. dude. That was the best wire, line wire. Uh, uh, oh, what's the one called? It was the cat with the headphone, Napster. Napster, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Man, that's damn near like dial up internet. That's so old, yeah. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah, Ludic Southern Hospitality. I, I agree with that, but no, man, overall theme is you know, great recruiting, uh, weekend. This weekend for Notre Dame, uh, Harry Heesan being solidified, which is waiting. Uh, the defensive coaches, uh, for the coaches for candidates for defensive coordinator, it's four guys, the same four guys you've been hearing, and hopefully we'll see that. Um, no movement on Dell Alexander. We're just going to have to wait and trust Marcus Freeman. Like, you just can't trust him for one thing. Like, if you trust him and you love him, then trust that he's going to make the best decision with the wide receiving coaching position in that room. And, and just leave it at that. Great point you made today about the importance of getting Blake Fisher on the field in this Fiesta Bowl, you know, big picture-wise. It's not yeah. just about the Fiesta Bowl, but big picture-wise, it really means something. Oh, man. Give me one second. All right, bet. Yeah, we know what time it is, bro. We already know what time it is. We gotta, we gotta go crazy on the big state debate. <laughs> <laughs>
It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic? start off the show giving flowers to the importance of the series finale of Insecure. Great series. Shout out to Issa Rae and the entire cast. But uh, we could actually throw them on the petty train today. I felt like everything they put in the final episode, they could have given us uh, another two or three episodes. Yeah, they tried to cram it to rush the ending yeah. for a season finale. Why? Why, Issa? Yeah, they've giving us another two or three episodes, man, and walked it out for us. They could have walked it out for us, but hey, look, it was a nice ride. She's moving on to other productions on HBO with that mega deal she signed, so I'm looking forward to see what she can do with that. And uh, I'm like, yo, it was good to see her and Lawrence get back together. Well, it felt like that's, that was like, like they said at the end of the show, that's what it was about, her getting over her insecurities are more so just understanding that you'll always have them, but having a way to get through them is uh, is something that's pretty cool to watch. I hey, thought man. it was a great series, but, you know, she took that Brian Kelly money and ran, so <laughs> I can see why she made it real short, you know, and uh, didn't didn't want to give us those last two. <laughs> Yo, so last night, Sunday Night Football, man, I, I saw something. That's why I played the Did You Know? Or do you remember or remember this at uh, the beginning of the show? Because the incident we saw on Sunday Night Football with Jonathan Allen and, and Deron Payne, like they went, they played on the same college team together. And they damn near look like. And, and, and Deron Payne was saying something. He was talk, he talking some trash and he said something. That dude, Jonathan Allen <laughs> caught him with a quick one. A quick yeah. one. And those are and those are three hundred pound strong dudes. You know, yeah. those are haymakers. Hey, you can't just be throwing around no weight <laughs> like that. You fucker, I hurt somebody for real. <laughs> but okay. that just shows you them being on the same team. It, that that's just reminds you of a, a little dorm fight they probably used to have playing the game or something. You know, you playing the game, and then you done got you getting blown out, and then everything just a real sensitive topic after that, man. So they probably had some words exchanged, but. That's what you'll get in a football game for sure. But it, because they went to college together, I'm sure this isn't the first time. <laughs> Yo, so, man, look. I had to put him on Petty Junction, dude. Both of them. <laughs> like, whatever, Deron Payne, for whatever he was saying that triggered Jonathan Allen, and Jonathan Allen just on the sideline, you can't swing on your teammate on the sideline, bro. Saying, I mean, when you're getting blown out against a division rival like that, yo, look, everybody's everybody can get it. <laughs> and, and and somebody else I had to put on the petty train, bro. 
I gotta put you on the petty train, man. <laughs> For the mess, this mess you started, man. It's all in the chat right now. You started with the Lil Wayne stuff, then you actually created the playlist for verses and sent it to me on Instagram. You were being real petty this weekend. I don't know if you're gonna share that on your Instagram page. And I totally disagreed with some of the songs you had on Jay Z's list. Like there's yeah, no like way. girls, girls, there's, girls, girls. There's no way he's playing girls, girls, girls in a verse. No way. Stop playing that, man. Come on. Like you need to stop. You had nothing from American Gangster. Zero songs from American Gangster. I'm like, there's no way this is his playlist going up against Lil Wayne in the verses. Hey, we talking about classic cuts that at the time, girls, 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 girls with that song now. <laughs> Shout out to Biz Marquee, man, for being in the video and being a part of that song. Rest in peace. No, you, you got the playlist all wrong. Now, the, the Wayne playlist... Yeah. All right, I rock with it, but that J playlist. It didn't do it justice, huh? You should have consulted me <laughs> before you published that playlist, my brother. <laughs> That's weird. There's no way that should have happened. <laughs> and you got anybody you want to put on the petty train? Man, uh, shoot, petty train. Man, I always feel like there's a little pettiness going on, but I think we covered it for today. Especially that insecure pettiness. I definitely oh, man. Super we need a couple more episodes. Man, we might come across as like whining or complaining, but it's like, yo, man, you you just can't rush a good thing. Just don't don't rush it. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Just negotiate another two episodes and just you but know. This, I, but this this just shows you that when you get in that, that contract with a bunch of zeros on there, you like yeah. man, I can cut it short. Yeah. <laughs> Like you get the money and just leave us like on the short end, getting the short end of the stick, dude, rushing through everything. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, Molly's mom passes, passes away. Y'all just pass by that, like just pass by it. I mean, y'all just skip to her getting damn near married. Right. Go straight from that to like, come on, man. Yeah. And then, you know, I couldn't see Daniel one more time. Yeah, we couldn't see that. Not just Dude, to give Chad like half an episode, he was yeah. on the cast. They was just trying to put in anything they can to try to end it, man. They was like, how much can we throw in there to try to say, all right, this is the finale, man. So, so now I have to catch up on Curb because I have not watched Curb this season. So that's okay. I got to watch that. I, I need to watch that's Curb. It. Your enthusiasm, okay? That's, dude, Curb is hilarious. Curve is hilarious. Did you go? Did you have you seen Spider Man yet? I haven't seen it yet. I'm still trying to see Venom, or are they not related? All I know is, man, look the way uh, this Amarion is, is is raging. You know, the way this Amarion is raging, bro. Man, they I, tell I you it's raging. I might have to wait for Disney Plus. Oh man, don't don't say it so, man. I mean, you can you can hang in there. Hey, although Marion ain't gonna get you while you watching Spider Man, I'll tell you that. No, I'm 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 look. I'm always I'm always going to err on the side of caution. <laughs> you feel me? 
I have no problem waiting for it to drop on Disney Plus, my dude. Oh, like you're you not, go. yeah, you're not about to, you know, force me or make me feel bad, <laughs> right? Because I'm it's not the type of person. I don't get mad. It doesn't spoil my viewing pleasure. Because I can't see about, it right now. Like if you if you start talking about it, if you tell me about a scene, you're not messing it up for me. <laughs> nah, because you want to see the I'm whole good. thing in its entirety. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, some people get mad. I don't want to see no spoilers. Don't say nothing about it. I'm not. Nah, like go ahead. That. I'm gonna see it anyway. Man, tell me about the scene. I don't care. <laughs> I'm gonna, I can't wait to see it. I believe Delante said Amarion out here doing the cabbage patch. Man. Like, for real. And that's I not, you know, that. man, prayers goes out to everybody that either have lost someone or is dealing dealing with it, uh, especially up there in the Northeast in the New York area where it's rampant and it's ramping back up in California. You know, so everybody stay safe. We all want to be healthy at the end of the day. I don't care what side of the coin you fall on. Uh, yo, support one another, appreciate one another. Now we're starting to debate what the best series on TV. Hey, the Godfather of Harlem is a really good show, too. God, I see Godfather that. Harlem is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I really phenomenal. like it. <laughs> phenomenal. Succession. Bucky Johnson, man. That's a cold Succession, Succession is phenomenal. Yeah. This last season was off the rails. Off okay, the rails. Succession. I got to catch Succession. Where yeah, is that on? I was with Succession from the first episode. Wait, wait, wait. What, what, where is that? Hulu? Netflix? Where we at? Uh, Succession is HBO. So HBO, HBO Max. Yeah. You go ahead and binge watching on HBO Max. You're good. Okay. Succession. <laughs> hey, man, for everybody in the chat, who's your favorite character on Succession? Because mine changed. Oh, shoot. Okay. I got to check this out. First, okay, yeah. I, gotta I tell you, like, at first, my favorite character on Secession was Shiv, right? Okay. And by the way, Shiv is, boy. I'm a like Shiv? Man. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it okay. at that. I see you, Matt Anderson. I love Secession, too. Yeah. Shiv started out as my favorite character. But it's funny, like, man. <laughs> it's something about Roman, dude. Yeah. This cat Roman is buck wild, yo. He's buck wild. And that cat Roman is like, you know, somebody that Roman is. Roman could come across as dorky. Okay. But it's he he's really not dorky. He's more of a geek. It's almost like he's playing chess with you. Uh, like he okay. wants you to think that he's a dork slash loser, doesn't take stuff serious, but at the same time, he really be thinking this stuff, man. <laughs> and that, and he's, he's hella funny, yeah. He's hella funny. All right, well, I'm gonna they, check that out. Succession Roman is my up. favorite character now. Roman and Greg, Roman and Greg were my two favorite characters in this last season of Succession. Damn. I gotta check this out. I'm gonna yeah, check I agree out. with you. I'm gonna check it out right after this. Delante, I agree with you. I still rock these Sopranos every now and then myself too. I never got into buildings, uh, billions, Brandon. Yeah, that's on Apple TV, right? Yeah, Brandon Plinson. Yeah, I never got into billions like that. I might have to check it out. No, it's I, might have to check I heard it billions out. Was real good when it first came on too. Yeah, but I still, I'll I still heard billions. Is 
Go ahead. I heard billions is like a house of cards type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I still, every now and then, I still dig into, because uh, I told myself over the break that I was going to dig back into Entourage. Because I go through, I think I've watched The Wire straight through maybe like at least 10 times. Straight through, yeah. 10 times, every episode. I, I think the Sopranos, I've done that about four or five times. Mm. Um, so I might go back to Entourage. Entourage was just like, Entourage was funny. It was the cameos. That's what it was. The it was art, and then it was the cameos and, and Turtle. Yeah, I catch them on my TV, man. You know, you got, the, you got it down. Let's see. Roman's motto, eating ain't cheating. Yep. So, man, we appreciate you guys for joining us today, man. Great weekend for Notre Dame. Everything's trending up, looking good. Game week. You know, we'll dig more into the game as we get closer to it. And uh, we told you today, we talked about whether or not um, the Oklahoma State defense is the toughest defense that Notre Dame has faced all year. Uh, we gave you reasons why from a statistical standpoint, and then we gave you reasons why not um, from a style standpoint in the matchup. So don't forget, subscribe, share, like, hit the like button. Hit the like button and also hit the notification bell so you know it every time we drop content. Uh, we talked about Peyton Bowen and his pending uh, decision coming up January 1st, 1145. We also talked about Nico Iamaliva, quarterback, 2023 class, cutting his schools down to the final four. And um, Notre Dame making that list. And uh, Malik told us why he was so special. And we covered Harry Heastan as well. So for my guy, the original lucky lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik. I'm Sean Davis at SD2Mics. Don't forget, go to Apple Podcasts and search A2S Network. And you can also listen to us over there as well to everybody ll nation new people jumping in subscribe 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 get the like button and as always we want you to spin it different today because that's what we do we spin it different right here on a lucky lefty podcast until tomorrow at 9 a.m have a good one see you